Well, good morning. I'm usually half asleep by now in this, in this part of the service, right? Whew. So to start things off, I had my wife and Liberty put some things together that you wouldn't normally be able to see. I can just see them in the back, but we're going to put them on the screen just to keep me on point. Liberty, uh, and, and it'll, if, if I get off track, this is what she's supposed to show me in the back. Liberty, show the first one. Were you saying something? I dozed off. That's for me. That's, you know, that's, that's direction for me. Let's look at the second one. That's only funny to you. I identify with Pastor TJ a lot. I think him and I are soul brothers in the humor department, and I laugh at all of his jokes, even though you mostly don't. So I apologize now if, what's that? No, they are all funny. They're all funny. Next one. Let's look at the next one. Now you're just being mean. That's a good one for me, too, because I can get, we all can get high on our horses sometimes, right? So I, I uh, that's, my wife says that to me a lot. So now you're just being mean. And this is, last one is my favorite. My wife, I can see her eyebrows raised, and this is when she, what she says to me all the time. She probably said it to me three times this morning, because uh, I am very, very nervous about this. I'm, I know you're like, you're up here every week. What's the big deal? It is so different. I've been singing since I was this big. I haven't been doing this but a couple weeks, but yeah, it'll be all right. Now, we're going to have fun because I know you love me and I love you guys, but yeah. But first, again, man, haven't the youth and the Fuse team, um, the students last week, we watched it. We were, I'm an emotional wreck, A, because my son's senior recital was last week. We were down in Tennessee seeing that, so that was a nightmare. There's a lot of crying and imagining that he's a senior in, in, in college. Y'all met him when he was a freshman in high school. That's when we started coming here. Um, but our Fuse students, man, they bless me. Oh, Ella, Lexi, Liberty, uh, they're all over this place in ministry. Caleb up there. Just continue to pray for them. Um, man, they're, they're not the future of the church. I don't like saying things like that, but it is awesome to see them being used by God today and now. And you guys appreciated them last week, and that blessed my heart. And continue to encourage them because they need it because it's a mess out there. You guys know the deal. All right, enough of the foolishness. Uh, this morning, I want to talk to you, all, all of you, about something that I struggle with. And you know, I always say that. I, I preach to myself a lot. But I know that some of you struggle with this too. It's called... Majestic. If you didn't get the hint, that's what we're talking about this morning, letting go. And now you've got that song in your head for the rest of the day. Parents, I apologize because you probably just got it out of your head if you've watched that a few thousand times. But So that's what we're talking about this morning, letting go. First, I want to define a couple things. I want to say what I'm not talking about this morning. Let's start there. Here's what I'm not talking about. Changing you. Not changing you within, but changing your personality. Changing your sense of humor. I'm not talking about changing what makes you, you. Because I don't think that's what God is talking. God made each and every one of you wonderfully. And fearfully, I think we had on our Facebook page this morning a picture of the cutest little baby, and it said, God has made you, I, I'm blanking right now because I'm really stressed out, 
But God, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in each and every single one of you. God doesn't want to change your personality. He made that personality. It's amazing, Jason. He made your personality legit on purpose. That's amazing. Our God loves us. But that's what not what I'm talking about. God is not here to do that. What I am talking about is the struggle that we have with letting go of the junk in our lives that keep us, keeps us from going all in on a relationship with Jesus. And what does that relationship look like? It's a relationship that fills and infiltrates our lives and influences everything we do. From our home life, to our work relationships, to our attitudes, our ministries, our interactions with others, everything. This morning, I want to talk to those of us that are fighting pride, fighting insecurity, fighting fear, fighting laziness, fighting indifference, or even fatigue. My prayer during this time is that you will be encouraged and lifted up by the idea that the process of letting go isn't negative and moving deeper into a relationship with Jesus is a positive but sometimes difficult process. It causes us to look at our motives and reasons behind everything we do. But if we keep our eyes on him through prayer, study of his word, and surrounding ourselves with positive community, we can, like Elsa said, let it go. So if you have your Bible, um, we're going to put the words on the screen as usual. But if you have your Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 3. And we're going to start reading in verse 22. Uh, TJ said, if you have a big Bible, that's the holier you are. But uh, please misunderstand. Don't, uh, this, page, this Bible has every other page is blank, so I can write in it. It's the coolest thing ever. I, like, I love to write this, and someday I'm going to give it to my son. But um, read this with me. If you, stand, let's stand as we read God's Word. Starting in verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose among some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. And here's the verse we're kind of focusing on this morning. Verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. Amen. Please be seated. So we're going to make it real easy. This could be the shortest sermon ever if you say you got this. We can just go home now. But here's our big idea. Here's the main point this morning. It says, it's letting go of us makes room for Jesus. And I want you to remember, it's not talking about letting go of your personality and the things that make you you. We're going to talk about some of those things that I said earlier about pride, about jealousy, about 
fear. Those are the kind of things we're talking about this morning. Letting go of us makes room for Jesus. Easy, right? All right, let's go. Let's worship team, come on up. Maybe not. It can be a struggle for sure that us, in quotation marks, can be a variety of things. This is going to look different for each and every one of you. It's going to look different for me than it is for you. We're all in different places in our lives and our walk with Christ. When I struggle with it, it looks different than what you struggle with. So let's unpack what we read and take a look at some of the things that prevented John's disciples from letting go. At the same time, maybe we'll see something that, can, that we can take with us. So we're going to jump back. If you have your Bibles again, we're going to jump back to verse 22. Or maybe it's 23. 20. 22. We're going to read through uh, 26. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside and remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing in Anon near Salim because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized. For John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. Doesn't sound that weird, right? It doesn't sound that interesting. So as, but as I studied these five verses, I was struck by how many of my personal experiences and attitudes were reflected here. John the Baptist's disciples are my people, right? They did everything wrong here, right? There are three examples, and there are multiple more, but we're going to just talk about three examples that jumped out to me as possible reasons that we struggle with letting go in our walk with Christ. Here's the first one. Pride can keep us from letting go. Pride can keep us from letting go. How does that relate to the text? What were they being proud about? The, verse, the end of verse 23 says, people were constantly coming to be baptized. If you're in ministry, if you work in a church or, or whatever, that's like the best thing that could be happening. So they have multiple people coming in to be baptized. So there was a sense of pride about that. And how do we know there was pride? We'll look at that in the future in, in, in a couple minutes. But we know that there was pride in that aspect of things because their focus wasn't necessarily on God or Jesus. It was on other things. But their ministry was successful. That's ministry. How, what does that look like for you and for me? What does pride look like in our everyday lives? Is it a feeling of pride about a job promotion, success at school, the new car or home, a sense of financial security, our kids, our grandkids? None of these are wrong. None of these are. It's great to, I mean, if I got a job promotion or I can't, my head could have exploded last week in, in Tennessee. So proud of our, the boy. He was so great. And I know you guys all go through a, a lot of those things. So those things aren't necessarily negative. But here's the difference is when we take that glory away from Christ, when we're saying thank you, I, when I'm like, oh, look at this job promotion I got. And there's the big, the big word, right? We take the focus from Christ and his blessings and put it in I. 
Look what I've done. Look what we've done together as parents. Look what I've done. Look what we've bought. Look at our home. That's the difference that I'm talking about this morning. When we take the focus from God and his blessings and put it on us. As we look at our lives, what are we striving for? What is our intention or the motivation of our hearts? We need to ask ourselves, are we putting Christ on the back burner to achieve our next? Like I said, it's different for you. It's different for me. So this morning, what are you putting on the, what, why are we putting Christ on the back burner? What, what is keeping us? Are we focusing on our accomplishments instead of the provider of all the blessings in our lives? Putting the focus on us instead of him. James 4.10 shows us how we should handle our pride and our love of self. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. It's about recognizing him. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was as Pastor Nancy prayed this morning. Thank you for who you are. It's about recognizing him for, what, for who he is in our lives. So often we just kind of get blasé or lazy about our, our idea and our vision of God and who he is. It's also about recognizing our place in our relationship with him. We are not the boss. We are not the boss. We are all here to bring glory to him in whatever we're doing, at the workplace, in our homes, with our families. When we put the focus on us and our accomplishments, that's when things go sideways. Pride keeps us from letting go and entering into that true relationship with Christ. Next thing the disciples, the John's disciples conveniently put in front of my face, conflict can keep us from letting go of us. Verse 25 says, an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. And we don't know who the certain Jew was. We don't know much about that entire situation, but they were arguing. And they were arguing about church stuff. Weird, right? That doesn't ever happen. Has anybody ever had an argument with someone before? Raise a hand. Everybody? Uh, no? no? Oh, okay, a few. A few of us have argued before um, with family, with coworkers, and weirdly enough, even within the church. We argue in the church sometimes. Can anyone identify with holding a grudge? Who loves to hold on to a grudge? Be honest, we're in church. Ooh, okay. Just will not let it go, Ella. Okay, all right. I'm marking that down so I'll know. So often we can let our interactions, positive and negative, override our relationship with Jesus, and in extreme cases, it can even cause some to leave the faith. Who has seen that before? Um, we've all been, if you've been in, this, in a church for any amount of time, you've seen conflict and things just like families. Church is very similar, very similar. We see it in our families just ripped apart, but it's the same in the church. We can see those things 
conflict can rip things apart. All right, we're going to talk about our favorite thing now. Who loves social media? All right, only one person loves it. Who's on social media? Oh, yeah, we all hate to love it, but we, oh, man, we're checking our Facebook as soon as we get out of church today, right? It's, oh, I'm not going to lie. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and that's a, and Twitter. That's it. Those are my three. I'm too old to be on things like Snapchat and TikTok and all that stupid stuff, but I just, I'm just too old for it. I just look weird and creepy at that point. I love seeing people's birthday party pictures, vacation pictures, pictures of their grandkids. We have become a culture that, but unfortunately we become a culture that doesn't use Facebook or Instagram or whatever sometimes. We become a culture that, like we're talking about with conflict, we've decided that we always have to be right. And we will go down swinging. And Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, Facebook and Twitter, probably the biggest culprits, have become a place for us to fight to the death over things. Weirdly enough. We become a culture that has a need to prove themselves right in every situation, and social media is our favorite place to do it sometimes. It's a culture that cancels with the slightest mistake on both sides. We talk about cancel culture and all of those things that we hear about today. Someone said something 10 years ago on Twitter, and it comes back and bites them in the butt. It happens all the time right now. But that happens in the church. You get somebody who posts something that may not agree with our thought of a relationship with God. It's going down, probably on Facebook. It's a culture that cancels with the slightest mistake on both sides. It is not our job to show how right we are and argue about it, especially on social media. This is the last question, but show of hands, whose mind has ever, ever been changed by an argument on Facebook? Whose mind, right? It's pointless. We show and we we have conflicts and we argue and we say things that we would never, ever, ever, if I was in the room with Matt, I would never say things that I would say to him on Facebook. If I was in a room with Nancy, I wouldn't say either because she's too nice. She's just too nice. Exact, so conflict can keep us from letting go of us. Are you holding on to something? I, we had a few people raise their hands about a grudge. Are you holding on to a grudge this morning? Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Simple, right? No. Again, are we harboring resentment, conflict, or past hurts that prevent us from letting go and making room for Jesus. It's about forgiveness. I know sometimes, and please don't misunderstand me, I'm not saying that your feelings are not uh, legitimate. Some of you have been some, through some rough, rough stuff and are not in a place to forgive this morning. But what, what I would offer up is maybe you can start the process of forgiveness with just praying for that person or praying for that situation. 
Because God knows your hurt, and, there, and it is a legitimate hurt. So understand this as I talk about conflict. Um, forgiveness can be hard. So pray for that person. All right, last one that the, uh, that the disciples show us, and this one's my favorite. I don't know why, because it's so obvious. Last one, jealousy can keep us from letting go. Verse 26 says, they, and by they, it's John's disciples, came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man, that man being Jesus, who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. Right? Here's the conversation. When one of their buddies goes over there, he's like, it's, it's very simple. Bro, bro, bro. It's that. It's that kind of a conversation. They're, like I said earlier, they're my people. Jealousy can keep us from letting go of us. I love this picture, though. It's such a high school thing. I apologize to those of you in high school. You're probably like, James, we are much more mature than that than you are giving us credit for. Okay. It's, it was high school in 1987. Can any, anyone identify with this picture? I think I've been on both sides of the Jordan in this. Here's what jealousy does. These guys were in a, we've already talked about, that we, which is why, what brings us back to the pride issue. We've already talked about that they're proud. But they have a successful ministry and they're still looking across the Jordan. They're still looking across the aisle. They're still looking at their neighbor's and the new car. They're still looking at the person in the office who got the job promotion. They're still looking at Jesus and saying, John, every, all of our guys are going over there. What's the deal? Don't, they, don't you want, we have a successful ministry. Here's what jealousy does. Jealousy eats joy. Jealousy eats joy. Instead of rejoicing in what God is doing in our lives, our current situation, our latest success or accomplishment, jealousy says, yeah, this is great and all, but what about that guy? Why can't we have that? I've worked way harder than they have. Is jealousy causing us to look outward and to focus on things that we think are deficient instead of focusing on what Jesus is doing now in our lives, in our church, in our community? Are we looking, again, bringing it back to ministry just because we're in church this morning, but are we, are, am I as a staff member of First Light South Portland Church in the Nazarene, am I looking around and saying, why is this church having success? Aren't we working just as hard? Aren't we doing the same thing? And again, what is that doing? It's pulling attention off of God. It's putting the focus on me and putting all of the pressure, all of the job on me when we can, none of us are worthy or none of us can do this on our own strength. We get exhausted. I look at the children's workers uh, day, you know, the, every Sunday and all of the work that they're doing. So this morning... I don't think there's anyone, including myself, that hasn't tried to live a godly life on their own power and resources like we just talked about. 
We've all tried to do it, whether it's pride, conflict, and, or jealousy. And the list is way longer. There could be many things. We talked about fatigue. We talked about laziness. We talked about whatever. We sometimes lose track of our center. And who's our center? Jesus. Jesus is our center. And when we pull things away from that center, when we pull things off, focusing on Christ, and we pull it onto ourselves, A, we're now asking us, we're asking Jim to do something he is not qualified to do, much like this morning. We're all going to be really appreciative when Pastor AJ comes back. That's why I think I'm up here this morning. He's back in a couple weeks. They were like, we really want people to be excited when AJ comes back. Let's put Jim up there, and we'll just... That's what, that's what I figured. Unless he is our cornerstone, we are crippled by our own weaknesses. Unless we do it in his strength, we are crippled by our own witness, our, our weaknesses. I am not a speaker. I am not a talker in front of people. I'm historically an introverted person. I couldn't do this unless... A, TJ asked me and made me do this. B, through God. I couldn't, I like to sing, but I couldn't lead worship week after week. I couldn't tell my friends about Jesus it's my, if, unless it was Jesus doing it because I don't have that strength. I don't have that ability. We, Moses in the Bible was like, God, I'm a, I stutter. I'm not a great speaker. And look at Moses. I'm still talking about him. I want to tell a quick, quick story that kind of brings all of these things in together. It came with jealousy, definitely pride, uh, conflict, and it happened about eight years ago, uh, almost eight years. Um, at our past church, we'd been there for 17 years, a really long time. And uh, when uh, I was a worship leader and, and Wendy was on the team and Tyler was playing drums at nine for the worship team. He was nine years old when he started playing. I had eventually become an associate pastor there. And little things were going on that made me feel like, man, I don't know, maybe God is moving us from, from this place. Or maybe God is stirring something up in our hearts that isn't, is kind of weird. We don't want to go anywhere. But our, we were very comfortable. We were right where we wanted to be. Because we did it week after week after week for a long time. Well, Eventually, a conflict happened. It happens in church. We've already talked about it. Surprise, surprise. If this is your first Sunday here, welcome. But someone next to you probably will burn you or lie about you at some point today. I'm just kidding. That won't happen. <laughs> that was a TJ moment. That was, to me, that was funny. I needed the, that was only funny to you card. Um, so we found ourselves in conflict and, and we decided that God was moving out of us out of that situation uh, into a, a, a new adventure, whatever that looked like. We did not have a clue what that looked like. And again, I don't say any of this lightly. This was, please don't misunderstand, this wasn't like I was just mad, but this was a thing that happened. So Wendy and I, and I hate this word, but maybe some of you are here or watching online this morning are doing this exact thing. So we went church shopping. We went to lots of different churches. We went to big churches and little churches, 
more traditional churches, cool churches, and all the, all the churches you can imagine. Um, and because we, we knew at that time, Tyler was going, uh, in, going to be a freshman in high school, and Wendy and I had come from a, uh, right here, uh, and I'll get to that point, but we, she, we both had been involved in youth groups as um, teenagers, and we knew how important that was to surround him with a community but beyond his parents. So we went to every church, and here's, here's where pride came in. Every, every time we went to a church, I'm not going to speak for Wendy, but here's what I did. I sat back and said, this place could really use us. We could lead worship. Me, Wendy, and Tyler, and we could do this way, and, and God could use us, and look at the things we could do here. You see what I'm talking about here? how I pulled the attention off of God in a ministry we'd been given and taken it and made it something awful that was centered on Jim and Jim's wants, Jim's desires. It was gross. I think of it now as such a low point. It was awful. Now, we kept going from church to church because we were not giving up on God. He brought us through a tough situation, and we had faith in him, but my focus was so messed up. So bring us to September of, of, of that year. And Tyler had been here a couple times because I don't know if you know this, but Tyler is Colby's cousin. They're second cousins. Because Wendy is Larry's cousin. Pray for her. Ugh, lay hands. <laughs> so he'd been here a few times. And we had met a couple people uh, here uh, in the youth program. And we went... And we came and we said, well, here's what we'll do, Tyler. We're going to go to church someplace else, but we will bring you to youth group so that you have a community because we recognize that this was important. So we did that for a few weeks. And then Tyler was like, well, we're going to church. Why don't you guys just come here? If, if you haven't been here a long, a long time, my wife and I, uh, grew, I moved here and uh, my parents moved here. I was like, yeah, I was 10 and I decided I needed a change of scenery. My parents moved to this area when I was 11 and uh, we lived just down the street in Scarborough and we ended up coming here. So I had grown up here. I had been, car I remember caravan in the, is this the north or the south wing? I don't know, this, this end of the building caravan down here. I remember youth events where we as teenage boys decided, you know what would be a really good idea? Let's sneak out and climb up on the roof of the church. Probably wasn't the best, of your, best idea, but I was 12. I would have done anything you told me to do. I met my wife here. We were both in seventh grade. This, weirdly, this is, uh, uh, this is true facts. Wendy invented a word here for me. Friend zone. I was in the friend zone for like 10 years here, right? It was awful. I, yes, I was the guy that she came to when she broke up with her boyfriend. It defines friend zone. I was in the friend zone. But anyway, so I had a ton of history here. And in 1989, God moved us from here up to Wyndham where we worked with the youth up there for a long time. And so God had moved us from this place, but I... And again, don't, don't take this personally. I did not want to come back here. 
Did not. Did not. I heard one laugh. I heard one laugh. I did not. Wendy and I fought, fought, fought it. Not because my mom and dad still came here. It was just weird. Jason was here. I don't know. I was like, I don't know. You want to go to church every week with Jason. I did, we just didn't. I don't know if it felt like stepping back or a failure. I don't know what it was. It was just, it was nonsensical. So Tyler was like, we need to go at least one Sunday and, and come. And so I had battling pride, battling conflict, jealousy in that, you know, what is happening? Why should I go through this? This worship leader and these people aren't going through that same thing. So I'm struggling with all of these things. So here's what God did. He brought me here with no expectations. God brought Wendy and I here with the expectation that we would go one Sunday, struggle through, and then we'd go somewhere else next week. We sat down. I think we may have been in like the back row over here. And we sat through the service and Tyler hung out with the, the students. They weren't called Fuse at the time. It's SOPO 180. All those kids. And sat through the service, got out of the service, went out to the car, sat next to, down to Wendy, and she's like, so what did you think? And I'm like, oh, I know, that was bad. It was the first place I felt God's presence. Because God had said, okay, you're not listening to me. You're more concerned with what Jim wants to do and what Jim feels he's been gifted at. But guess what? My gift isn't my, Jim's gift. Jim has God's gift. And you have a gift from God this morning. Maybe it's not singing. I've heard some of you sing. It's definitely not singing for all of you. <laughs> Joyful noise, not in tune. Joyful noise, that's all we need. So I had got all of that messed up. So we came, we were, and I was like, you know what? That's the first place that I felt like I was, and I didn't know how to put it, but I think I said something to the effect that I felt like I was in church. I had relaxed. I felt God's presence. I was moved by the music. I was blessed by the message. I was back to, because I wasn't coming here, I never in a million years walked in here and said, I want to lead worship here. They didn't need me. They were doing a great job by themselves. They didn't need anything to do with me. So we came back the next week. And that's kind of the story. And here's the overarching theme and the overarching point of the story. Until I got to that point where I let go of my pride, where I let go of my conflict, where I let go of my jealousy and just let God speak to me, and talk to me, and I was in a place to listen, and we were miserable going from church to church. It is not fun. Community is very important, very important. Until I got to that spot and just had no expectations, we're like, fine, God, we'll go. Kind of Jonah, fine, I'll go to Nineveh. Blah, 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 you know? That's how we did it. Until we got to that point, I think he just needed me to shut up and listen. And this morning, before we finish up, I want you to start thinking about, again, I'm sorry if your kids, if you're not allowed to say shut up in your house. It's a good, it's a good rule. 
But until we shut up and listen, because maybe we filled it, our minds with just stuff that is just our stuff. Anyway, that's the story. It says, tell quick personal story. It wasn't quick, I apologize. Verses 27 through 29. It says, John answered, a person cannot receive. So he hears all of this from the, from the disciples. Oh, we, they were just whining. So John's response is this. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has, who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. So John gets all of this foolishness from his disciples and realizes that he needs to remind them why he is here, what his ministry actually is. I love the wedding analogy that he uses. He's the best man at the wedding. He's not the bridegroom. The best man is supposed to be at the bridegroom's side, listening to his every word. The best man is, is the bridegroom's friend and rejoices with him. He's giving the toast. He's in, uh, And I just want to remind everybody about TJ's message I don't, a couple months ago maybe now, but he, he, he's pointing, pointing at the bridegroom. He's making sure that people are paying attention to the bridegroom and not the best man. And that's you and me, right? When we sing, it's hard with uh, creative types uh, because all, a lot of creative energy is all about like um, focusing and getting our feelings across and things like that. But uh, so often it's like trying to re-channel. We pray every week that we would glorify God in everything that we do. So to finish up, but we're getting closer. But here we are, verse 30. He must become greater and I must become less. What does that mean to us this morning? So often we look at becoming less or giving up something as a negative. We're trained in our society today to get what is ours, to give 110%, that unless we have this thing or that thing, we can't possibly be happy. We want to win or be the best at all costs. I don't have all the answers to questions you might have this morning. Uh, there are way smarter people in this room than, than I am, but here's one thing I do know. Each of us has been created for a purpose. Each of us has been given a personality created by God specifically for you and for me. Each of us is gifted in a specific way. He wants Sylvia to be Sylvia and not Wendy. He wants Aaron to be Aaron and not Jim. He wants Jason, weirdly enough, to be Jason and not Ted. He made you. So to get back to the big idea as we close, letting go of us makes room for Jesus. Here's my question as we finish up. 
What do you need to let go of this morning? What is taking the place of Jesus in your life? What is keeping you from going all in with Jesus? Are you tired of doing life on your own strength? Are you exhausted at the idea of putting on a mask every Sunday morning or when you're with your family and friends or when you're at work? Has your relationship with Christ, which started out as a fire, remember those days, we were so excited, but has it burned down to just embers? I read a quote this morning, weirdly enough, and it says uh, from Louis Giglio, he's a pastor for a large college movement, and says, God doesn't want us to minimize the difficulty of what you are walking through right now. He just wants you to maximize an understanding that whatever your circumstance is, he is greater. So this morning, as we're going to sing together in just a moment, where is your relationship with Christ this morning? Has it burned down to just barely a flicker? Have you let conflict get the best of your relationship with Christ? Have you said, well, this conflict is bigger than Christ? His, this conflict, I am mad at this situation, whether it's church or at home, I am mad at this situation, and instead of dealing with that situation, you're going to take it out on God and push aside that relationship. Are you looking at jealousy and so busy letting jealousy steal your joy that you've forgotten Christ? In our homes, he must become greater and I must become less. In our relationships, he must become greater, and I must become less. In our ministries, he must become greater, and I must become less. He must become greater, and I must become less. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you this morning. First, for who you are, that you would make us and love us and gift us, Lord, all of the things that you do. Lord, we praise you for your grace this morning. We praise you for your mercy that allows us to come into this place and sing praises to you and pray to you and hear your word as family. Lord, I pray for those that are struggling this morning that maybe they've let pride, conflict, jealousy, laziness, any of those things. Get in front of a relationship that's kept us from letting go of the mess in our lives, the things in our lives that are holding us back from you. Maybe it's guilt this morning. Maybe you're struggling with something that you did 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, that all you could do is try and you could never go back and change that instant. Our God is bigger than our guilt. Lord, we praise you for that. 
You are bigger than our guilt. You are bigger than our fear. You are bigger than our indifference. You are bigger than our laziness. You are bigger than our pride. You are bigger than our jealousy. You are bigger than me. You are bigger than our gifts. You love us. You have fearfully and wonderfully made each and every person in this building today and all of those watching in our, online and all of those in our communities. So this morning, Lord, I pray for those that are struggling. That maybe they're just sitting there and go, well, that was a waste of 20 minutes, Lord. I'm, I'm good. But if they really looked at themselves, maybe they're more concerned with lunch and what's happening tomorrow at work than where they are right now, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would use this, these words from a very unworthy servant. That someone would walk out of this place changed. Not so Jim can get a pat on the back, Lord, but because it's eternal. It's eternal. And it's the biggest decision we can make in our lives because it's the only forever decision. Lord, I just praise you for who you are. Be with us now as we sing together and rejoice together and have lunch together if we go out with friends, whatever this day may entail, Lord. But I ask that we would glorify you in our conversations on the way home, that we would glorify you tomorrow morning when we get up for work, that we would glorify you when we get our kids ready for school, that we would glorify you when we go to school. Lord, be with us now. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. Strength becomes our own You're making me like you 
Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. You will be praised, you will be praised with angels and saints. today. It is a joy to be yours. And now, Lord, as we go into our week, uh, let us go glorifying you. Let the words of our mouths, the meditation of our hearts, Lord, our very lives um, be pleasing in your sight, O oh God. Let us glorify you in everything. And Lord, whatever it is that may be hindering, Lord, our, our, our focus upon you, help us to identify it and just, Lord, confess that and walk forward victoriously, joyfully, and freely in you. Thank you for going before us and for being our God who loves us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless. Have a great week, everyone. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will 
ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips.